Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right, hey, you can have a seat for a second before we gather into groups. You might want to start scoping out who you want to hang out with, look around, all right? Are you in the mood for new people, old friends, mix it up? So I'll give you a little bit of time to strategize. Um, few things going on I want to give you a heads up on. First of all, uh, just remind you that our worship lyrics are on our church app, Access Church. Okay, It's on uh, Android, Apple. Look it up. It's the green and black Access Church. There's like four or five. It has the green and black um, uh, AC symbol there. And then also you can take sermon notes. You can actually write on the app there so you don't need paper, uh, especially for those in connection groups as we started that up. And so that helps you with sharing, remembering things things like that. You can sign up for events, give everything on that app. So just to give you a a heads up on that. Also, it's going to be windy. It's going to be a little crazy. Things might be flying around. We're hoping this thing stays. So just focus in a little bit. It'll be all right. And uh, we'll uh, we'll have a good time today. Bathrooms are straight to the back. Just a reminder there uh, if you need to use that. So we are glad that you are here today. A few things happening that I just want to give you a, a heads up on. We have the uh, Young Life uh, Golf Tournament coming up. That's a fundraiser. Super excited about that. And so uh, as a church, we sponsor, is Aaliyah here? She's mingling, talking to my own son. Our families are just not paying attention to what's going on here. If you're watching online, my own son's distracting people from church, so I appreciate that. Uh, but... Um, Aaliyah, did we sponsor a whole? I'm just trying to figure out what, what did we do? I know whatever we want to do. So um, so we'll be there hanging out. I know a few of us are going to be golfing. And so if you want to golf, uh, we probably only have one or two spots left because um, you and I already spoken and you're inviting someone. And I'm trying to, oh, we might be full. Uh, we're really trying to uh, invite people that are disconnected from church and God. So I got a, I got a couple of guys that are interested and in, uh, you're thinking about it. So, but if you just want to sign up, it's going to be a fun day. Uh, so check out our church. Now make them pay. You're way too nice. This is a fundraiser. I know. We, we'll, we'll work it out. No, they can come up with the money, work an extra shift like we all do. Jeez. Yeah, no. Pay to play, all right? So it goes towards a great cause. And Young Life is not only, we kind of use them as our youth ministry, uh, but they uh, do a great job of outreach um, in the, uh, the local community. So we want to support them, and we're thankful that the leaders, <laughs> pretty much all of them, are here. So there's pressure. We need to step up. Otherwise, they're, they're all going to be like, we're out of here. So um, yeah, I just want to give you a, a heads up on that. Connection groups just started. Uh, super stoked about that. We had a great kickoff uh, last week, the Wednesday, Thursday night groups. If you're interested in that, you need that in your life. It's so nice. We've got the fire still going outside and uh, just, man, so encouraging. So we got six more weeks of that. So uh, if you want to jump into that, you can uh, talk to me or you can go online. Um, hey, um, I'm going to pray. We're going to jump into now Genesis 2. I'm going to focus on Genesis 2 and 3, just a heads up there. I just want to let you know, also connection groups, remember, uh, I talked about last week, our Be Good Challenge. We're in a seven-week challenge. Uh, where Proverbs 3.27 says, do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to act. So we're on seven weeks of 
uh, it's a be good challenge. And so this week on your app, um, there's a specific challenge. And so our, our challenge this week is to daily encourage at least one person. Every day through a text, through a letter, in person, the challenge is this week. Encourage one person daily and see how God uses that. So just for the whole church, but if you're in connection groups, you're going to be sharing about that. So just a heads up, that's your be good challenge. Okay, let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this church. I love the questions. Uh, I just, I love reading the Bible in silence with your creation, the wind blowing and just uh, outside in nature. And it's just awesome, God. And so um, I pray today, Jesus, that you put in the beginning for the reason. You wanted us to have perspective. And God, I pray we would learn about you. We would learn also from Adam and Eve about who you are and that it could apply to us today. So Jesus, open our hearts, open our minds, give us wisdom as a church, give us wisdom as people, um, that this week would be impacted by what we learn and how we're encouraged today. In your name, Jesus, amen. Okay, we're gonna do a lot of reading. Um, so, uh, and I'm gonna be explaining a lot of things as we go through. So yeah, if you wanna reposition, find your seats. Go ahead and do that. I'm gonna start in Genesis chapter two. I'm gonna be skipping around a little bit. So we're gonna start in verse 15. Right, so Genesis, uh, just so you know, um, Genesis was not written, Adam and Eve did not start writing things down. Genesis was written, and we could tell by the language that it was written in, kind of what time period. And so it's, it's, uh, we're guessing that Moses wrote it. A lot of uh, you know, ancient authors were kind of guessing that. And we just, just so you know, we just kind of do that off the language of the text that we have um, to be able to tell that. And so, but here's the thing that it was written in. It was written in multiple styles. Um, if you read a science book, is that different than if you read poetry or if you read a song online? Are those written two different ways? One's very literal, factual, investigative, right? The other one's uh, more anecdotal, you know, might be a little bit hyperbole. Have you noticed songs on the radio a little bit hyperbole-like, right? You know, like, I love you, and if you leave me, I'll die. Well, you're not going to die, dude. You'll be okay, all right? You'll find another one. It's, it's, but songs like to be hyperbole, like to fire us up, and that's good. It can move us, right? Um, just, you know, Genesis 1, it, it, it's very confusing for people that try to translate it because it's actually written like three different styles are all within a few chapters, uh, there's poetry, uh, there's a little bit of uh, historical uh, literature, and so it's, it's just kind of difficult. Here was the purpose, though. When it was written, it was written hundreds of years, right, after Adam and Eve. Why was that written? you got to remember, because if the nation of Israel is going to be a nation that's different than all the other nations, just so you know, all nations have, um, they have stories about how everything began. And, and in fact, people will say, well, all religions are the same because look at the stories. They all kind of start the same. They have, they're very, very similar. And I'll say that's true. But here's one difference. In ancient literature, almost all of the literature of antiquity, basically people are formed as far as by something bad happening. You know, the, God, the blood of gods um, and uh, just very weird, bizarre ways of human beings. So it casts this very, very weird shadow of the way human beings kind of came to exist. They could also be seen as equal with animals. And so it's very ambiguous. There's a difference, and this is why God wanted it to be written down, because there is a true difference from a Judeo-Christian point of view of human beings within the story of creation. 
from animals and plants and all these other things and who God is, not multiple gods and how people started. So I just want you to know that that's why it was, it was not written to be debated as a science book. We use it a lot of times today to, to we're going to argue and we're going to use it as a science book. That's like using a song off the radio to argue about relationships and how they, it's, it's impossible. So I just want you, so any of you that are getting hyper right now, you're like, bro, I'm going to debate you afterwards. Now, you know me, I'm always down for a good debate, but it's going to be theory. It's not going to be necessarily what the Bible actually says. So I just want to give you a heads up on that. The reason it was also written is for two, two reasons, to show the character of God and the character of people. So that's the reason why Genesis was written. Now we jump in. We know why the book was given to people and written down. Genesis 2.15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, it you will certainly die. Now we start right here and we're like, what? Why would God put temptation there right in the middle? Have you ever thought about that? Like, why not just remove the tree and we don't have this tragic story? Then all is good. Like, it, it seems like it's a pretty simple thing, right? And we have no idea. Doesn't explain. We don't know if God's just big on freedom of choice, that in order to love me, you have to have freedom. <laughs> um, and from that freedom, you find out about, but the Bible doesn't fully explain that, but it's interesting that there was an opportunity there. Now, we also know that the rebellion from Satan, and when I say the word devil or Satan, there's a connotation there. All Satan is, is a fallen angel. And so the Bible talks about that. We know that he rebelled. He wanted to be God. And that's all sin and rebellion is, just so you know. When I talk about sin, you know, sometimes we, I, you know, sin and we're like, oh, yeah, don't party, don't drink too much, don't, you know, sex and all that kind of stuff. No, sin is simple this. I want to do what I want, and I don't do what you want, God. That's simple sin. And we do that on small levels, and we do it on big levels. That's why the Bible says we all fall short, right? Well, before us, Satan decided, you know what? I don't want to follow everything God wants. I don't want to do what he wants. I don't think it's best. I'm going to do what I want. And there's a rebellion. So we know at least that this tree is either symbolic or it's actually real, but the fact that Satan was already allowed to tempt God's creation. So there's already a choice that we're going to have. So you can view it as symbolic or it doesn't matter. We know that Satan already rebelled. So now there's a choice for any God's creation, trusting God or being deceived by Satan. Just want to set the context there. So Adam now has this choice. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper uh, suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, the birds in the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever he, the man called each living creature, that's what its name was. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Now, this, depending on what kind of church you grew up in, this is where it gets really wonky, right? Because right now, some of the women are like, helper, helper. Like Adam threw an apron on her. He's like, cook me some food. Cook me some food. I need some help, right? Um, so let me put this in context. Yeah. So helper, just so you know, uh, is found, that Hebrew word is found over 100 times. It's also used of God seven times in the book of Psalms. 
Is God some kind of apron-wearing God that he just runs around and does whatever you want at your beck and call? Is that the God we follow? That whatever you say he's got to do, that you just got to pull the lever and out comes the money? Is that the God we follow? I just, I just want to make sure some of you look confused. You're like, yes, that is the God I follow. Um, you're in the wrong church right now. Or we need to sit down and have coffee. So why would you think then that word describes a woman that it's the same thing? What helper means is that, that Adam needed assistance. It means there's an incapability there. And so he needed someone to partner with. And the horse and the llama and the dogs just weren't doing it. God also had a desire, right, that we're going to read about for procreation. Obviously, that could not happen, happen between man and animal and things like that. So he needed a suitable helper for what God wanted to accomplish. So a woman was made perfectly in the image of God, just like man, in order to accomplish the will of God. So when you choose marriage, you're choosing a partnership, and this is really important. It's not that a marriage completes you. A single person is completed in Christ. That's why Paul says, I prefer not to get married. I could do more ministry, not worrying about the bills, not worrying about kids running around, not worry about where you want to eat versus where I want to eat. We don't have to have those discussions. I wake up, I want to eat here. I go there. But I can give full attention to the will of God. And he says, hey, the reality of life is when you get married, that all of a sudden there's a little bit of a division. You've got to start thinking about those things. And that's why some Christians, when they're like, yeah, I got married, but I'm all in for God, and I don't care what my spouse says. I just listen to the Lord. It's like, oh, you're actually in rebellion because God says no. Once you decide to get married, you decide to split your time. And now your spouse has a say. You don't just blow them off saying, well, I heard God say this. I'm going to do that. Baloney, then don't get married. If you just want to listen to the voice of God, Stay single and rock and roll, baby. Does that make sense within this context? So a woman is not second class. Is there in order to help man and man help woman accomplish the will of God. That's why in 1 Peter 5, when it talks about, you know, the Bible does talk about men being leaders in the home and sometimes we get all, uh, it doesn't say authoritarian. It doesn't say abusive. It says lead just like Jesus led. Is Jesus abusive? Is Jesus domineering? What is Jesus? Sacrificial loving, encouraging. That's why First Peter, I think it's three. It's either three or five. Read both chapters. They're great. But it says this, husbands, understand and care for your wives that your prayers may not be hindered. A good leader says, what's your opinion? How are you feeling today? What can I do to build you up? That's what a good leader does. I'm getting off track. All right, back to it. I just wanted to find that because we see helper. We're like, what? You know, no, settle down. Um, they're a teammate, and Adam needed a team. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up with flesh. And then the Lord made God a woman from the uh, rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to man. Now, we read this, and some people are like, come on, man, that's just, that's impossible. I just want to encourage you with this. God, if he is God, can do whatever he wants and create however he wants. And if you struggle with how a woman was created, you're going to struggle with the death and the resurrection of Jesus for your sins. The Bible's full of miracles. So whenever people struggle with one miracle, it's like, well, how's that scientifically possible? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you could do that with the whole Bible. Plus, he's God. If God can't do crazy stuff like that, then he's not a God. He's just like you and I. So I understand it's difficult to read that, or it's like, what? But to me, the greatest crazy miracle is, do you realize that God became a man? That's crazy. And then 
died on the cross for our sins and rose again. That's even crazier. So the Bible's full of miracles, uh, and that's who he is. So it says, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woe man. Yes, amen. For she was taken out of man. Verse 24, that is why, look at God is trying to communicate to the Israelites. Remember, this was written to the Israelites who were supposed to be a nation that glorified him and were different than all of the nations of the world. So now he's going to define marriage. He's like, listen, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm telling you about the beginning of time. This is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. They become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Just want you to know that, especially in our political climate, especially for some of us, we want to put our rules and we want the whole world to follow our rules. Marriage was instituted by God, not by government. I just want to remind you of that. Marriage is a gift from God, not a gift from government. They do that to track, to tax, do all those other things. It's not for their benefit, right? So when you try to say, it's got to happen this way for everybody, you get into a weird argument because really it's a personal thing for Christians, for people of Jewish faith, that it's what God commanded them to do and to be different than other nations, sleeping with different people, having multiple wives. Now, you're going to read through the Old Testament that men mess this up big time in the Old Testament. And he's not condoning it. He's not like, hey, he had these concubines, and God's like, yeah, concubines, yeah. No. And we also see the effects of those sins of the concubines and the cheating in marriage and having multiple wives. But that's what other nations did regularly. Again, Genesis was written to say, be different. Marriage is a gift from me. Man, woman, they become one. That's something unique. Don't just make it to where it's like, ah, yeah, it was just two people kind of, no, it's two becoming one. That says something about now the partnership of marriage and how special it is. So a few things so far that we learned. First of all, we learned that people are unique from all other creation. We're unique. We're different than animals. We're different than plants. We're different than all of the life. Well, life is everywhere. That's true, but our life is special because the story says only man and woman were made in his image, nothing else. So we value human life different than other lives. It's not that we don't. You can go home, kick your dog. Like, ah, you soulless dog. You know, stop barking. No, no, no. Because man and women, we're supposed to take care of it. We're supposed to be responsible. Be responsible with the earth, but we don't worship the earth. Be responsible with animals, but we don't equate animals to human beings. There's a difference there, but he still says be responsible. So when we talk about green earth, when we talk about, you know, having a good environment, I, yes, I think Christians should be a part of that. But we don't elevate it to its equal with being on mission for Christ and for other things that God calls us to be. Does that make sense? We're responsible, but we don't worship it. Marriage is also what we see early on as a partnership with equal value but different roles. Equal value, different roles. Now, I'm not going to go and fall into all the roles because that will be for a different sermon. But those roles, just so you know, the Bible gives a lot of freedom in those roles. So when you're like, well, the roles are man works and the woman stays home. Well, what do you do with the Proverbs 31 wife that ran her own business? Is she ungodly? So sometimes we come up with these weird roles. 
But we know that just the biological roles. Women can have babies, men can't. That's a role. So we can't deny that. And so, but what he's saying is like, no, 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 there's equal value, but different roles. Your roles don't give you value. God gives you value. So men and women are equal of value in marriage. We see that from the beginning. And we also see that marriage is a unique calling established by God, not by government, which makes marriage a spiritual endeavor, not just a relational endeavor. I want to encourage you with that. If you want to read more about that, Ephesians chapter 5 talks about men and women and how they love and respect each other. And it says that this is like the mystery of how Christ loves the church. So a marriage should represent the love of God for his people. I always tell people the best way, you know, how do I raise kids and what are all the rules and what are all the things? I'm like, number one, 80% of being a great parent is have a great marriage. 80%. You can mess up on curfew. You can mess up on discipline. You can be overly here, under there. You could uh, give them a lot of sugar, no sugar, and they just eat carrots. You know, you can do bottle feed, breast feed. You can mix it up. You can, all these things. But if you have a great marriage, that will always overcome all those things. If you don't focus on, and so when people overly love their kids and neglect their marriage, they're actually damaging their kids. The best thing I can do is say, listen, I love you, son. I love you, daughter, but I'm not going to be with you forever. Mama has the ring on her finger. I love her just a little bit more than you. <laughs> but they need to know it actually brings safety to them that they know we're always going to be together. We're always going to work it through. And I'm going to love her like Christ loved the church. The number one parenting tip. You do that, you got it down. Build a great marriage. When people don't have kids yet, build a great marriage. Not just to be in love, but to be ready for those kids so you can show them the love of Christ. Well, everything's good right now, right? Genesis 1, 2, woo, party's going. And God's like, now talk about human beings. Talk about why we're messed up. Talk about why people can look good on the outside and lie through their teeth to you. Talk about why there's deception. Talk about why there's death. Talk about, because all these things of like, oh, human beings are pretty good. What? <laughs> We're great at deceiving, right? We dress up, we brush our teeth, our hair, look good. People are like, oh, you're such a nice person. You got to be a good person. And if they only knew what was going on in the head, <laughs> the heart, or when the door was closed. How do we explain that? What do we do with that, right? Even if you grew up in a great Christian home, you know, there's something in you that says there's good, but then there's that dog that's bad, right? Where did that come from? Now God's going to explain it so we understand it. Genesis chapter 3, here we go. Verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any other of the wild animals the Lord God made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Uh, why would the serpent say that? Or Satan, we know it's Satan, right? Why would Satan say that to the woman. Have you ever thought about that? Why do we begin to question her? Because that original statement was to Adam, not to Adam and Eve, as far as we know, within the story. Right? You hear something from someone, it's truth. And then he's questioning that. Questioning not only God. Did you hear that right from Adam? Are you sure? And then the woman said, well, we may eat fruit from the tree in the garden, but did God say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden? You must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat it,
from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, we learned something about Satan. Again, the scripture's written so that we understand where we come from and how the world works. Do you notice the lie here? Part of it is an absolute bold-faced lie, and part of it's a half-truth. And we all know that a half-truth is a full lie, right? What he's, and what he's showing here is that Satan will use flat-out lies that you know are wrong, right? It won't, it won't kill you. Well, that was a flat-out lie. But it's also, he throws a little truth in there. It's like, well, you'll be like God. God doesn't want you to be like him because you'll know good and evil, which is a true statement. They were all, all of a sudden going to see the effects and see the difference between good and evil. What he's saying is where you've got to be careful of Satan is not always the bold lies, but it's the little half-truths that you believe. They got a little bit of truth in there, but not they're all the way true. And a half-truth can take you just as far away from God as a full lie. That's why people are just like, that's why Satan, the Bible says that he comes as a, he appears as, a, as an angel of light, right? So when we think of Satan, sometimes it's like, oh, Satan wants to come and scare you in your dreams and get you to listen to Pantera, right? Ah, you know, and just that satanic music, you know, and the dog. No. You know what he wants? He wants to woo you into, hey, be a good Christian, but don't be too good. Live the American dream. Don't be too radical because then, you know, you don't want people not to like you. And so we water down our faith. We water down our passion. We water down our prayer. Hey, does prayer really work? Oh, the last three prayers haven't been answered. Oh, yeah, do I need to keep it right? So it's the half-truth that we have to be careful of. And she wasn't, and neither was Adam. Now check this out. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good, uh, for food and pleasing to the eye, which all sin is. Again, all sin is pleasing to the eye. People are like, ah, don't go have sex, it's bad. I'm like, oh, I don't know who you were having sex with, right? Those of us that, that we partied, we did all those kind of things. No, I mean, straight up, horrible parenting would be like, don't have sex, bad. Because they're going to find out you're lying and then they won't trust you. No, it's good, but it's made for marriages when it's safest best and most complete yeah the tree looked good but the consequences are evil yeah sex looks good no doubt but the consequences are evil then when you start becoming one with different people and you're breaking it off and you're on back on and sin and rebellion and it's destruction comes after that any of us that live that lifestyle that's why i came to jesus because i'm like this is not working i know this is not working i'm seeing the fruit of my actions as i hurt women as i break up relationships And so, yeah, the fruit looked good. And so she, des she also desired uh, for gaining wisdom, and she took some and ate it. Look what happens right after that. She also took some and gave to her husband, who was with her, and ate it. Did we notice anything about that story? That's weird. Adam was there. The Bible says, men, be leaders. When are we not leaders? When we don't protect our family and our wives, and we stand there silently, watching the game, drinking the beer, thinking that it won't be that big of a deal. And God said, that's why I created you, to protect. To say, whoa, 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 that's not good for our family. Schedule's getting out. Oh, babe, I know you want that, but that's not maybe good for us there. Or to at least have a discussion. Notice that she didn't have a discussion. Like, where was the respect there where she's like, she, she was talking to Satan, didn't even talk like, what do you think, hubby? She's just like, I'm going to make the call, right? What was he doing? He was standing there silently standing there silently. Incredible part of the story there. Because some of us want to blame like, you know, yeah, Eve did it all. It's like, well, Adam was just sitting there with his hands in his pocket. Well, he was naked, so no hands in his pocket, but he was sitting there twiddling his thumbs. 
She gave some to her husband who's with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open. They realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The effects of sin. Now we have shame. Now we have disconnective intimacy. So now the reason that, that Genesis was written is now you know why we struggle with intimacy. Now you know we struggle with looking someone in the eye and saying, I love you. It can be difficult for us. Now we know why we struggle with sharing what's really going on in our lives and we get into connection group and we're like, do I really want to share how I messed up? Do I really want to share where I'm struggling in my faith? We struggle with intimacy. Now the church pushes into that to say, it's a lie from Satan. You can be intimate, you can be honest and fully loved in the church of God. And I pray that we do that. And if we don't do that, let me know because if we don't get that right, we've got it all wrong. But you're seeing it from the beginning of time now. This is why we struggle in this way. Verse 8 says, The man and his wife then heard a sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Have you ever tried to hide from God? Yeah, he's really good at hide and seek. He always finds you. Isn't it amazing? And doesn't, here's the other thing you write down too. If you want to take notes, sin makes you stupid. I want to have a shirt that just says, Sin makes you stupid. It just makes you dumb. Any of us that look back, you look back on your days where you're just maybe going wild, you're like, that would an idiot. What? You know, just, but in the moment, you thought you were smart. You were getting away with it. It was fun. It was exciting. Whatever it is, right? But sin makes you stupid. Why would you run away from a God that just created the universe? You know that's impossible, right? Like you're sitting under a bush, you know? He's like, Adam, caca, I'm not here. Caca, right? I mean, this is stupid. You got to imagine this. This is how dumb it is. Why? Sin makes you stupid. That's why God says, I don't want you to live a life of sin. Trust me. Why? You're just going to be a smarter person. The way you live, the way you have relationships, the way you do things, the way you speak, all of that. And so their sin makes you dumb. They're hiding from God. Um, but the Lord God called them out. Where are you? Rhetorical question, by the way. So God wasn't like, uh-oh, I lost them. He wasn't like that. Rhetorical question. We get those from our parents, right? Those rhetorical questions. They know where you're at. They're just asking the question to see if you know where you're at. He answered, uh, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, <laughs> her fault. The woman you, you put me here with. Notice his phrasing. I, I was stuck with her, man. Whew, she's a tough one. I mean, she started out, whoa, man, but now it's like, woman? You know, it's a different thing, you know? So, again, what do we do when we sin? We minimize, we blame. The Bible's explaining all these things. Where does this come from? Adam and Eve. And by the way, when I get to heaven, those are the first people I want to talk to. Like, bro, how bad do you feel? <laughs> you know, you didn't just blow up for you. You're like, oh, crud, I blew up for all mankind. I, I could have a good conversation with him. But, uh, but he, he does what we all do. Again, learning about Adam and Eve helps you to understand yourself and to be honest with yourself that I tend to blame others. And I judge others on their worst day and I judge myself on my best day. Oh, those people in jail, this and that, and crime and all that kind of stuff. And you forgot when you were a kid what you did and things that you stole and the people that you hurt. And you just didn't have the physical fortitude to go all the way with the murder that was in your mind. They at least had the guts. But the sin was all the same. You see what I'm saying here? And we blame others and we blame this and that and the way I grew up and all that kind of stuff. It's good to acknowledge the way you grew up, but you can't use it as a crutch to keep sinning. God has healing and restoration for you. 
beyond your family dynamics, beyond your mental health dynamics, beyond your physical ailments, beyond whatever it is, your work situation, your financial situation, that's where God resurrects. That's where God heals. And that's where the story goes. And so then he's blaming her. <laughs> she pulls a good one too. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is it that you have done? Ah, I'm going to blame Satan. Have you ever heard those Christians before? Why'd you do that? The devil made me do it. No, don't, don't pawn it off. You have your own volition, your own. I've been in those environments, you know. Well, it wasn't me. The devil made me do it. Uh, you're, you're, we already know from Eve, you're blaming. You have to take responsibility. And I want you to know this, that notice that God hits him with the truth. Why? You, you can never fully repent or be forgiven if you don't acknowledge the hurt that you've done. Any of us that minimize or deflect in our relationships or with God, here's the thing, it feels good to you, but you'll never be able to fully repent or change your ways because you're not accepting, responsibly, and acknowledging. It's actually a freedom to say, I blew it. I shouldn't have said that. You're 100% right. Well, I just didn't sleep well last night. Well, you said this before I did. Well, three years ago you did this. Stop it. The best way to keep good relationships is acknowledge the truth, take responsibility, and then you can truly make changes. And so God hits him with the truth. But again, God desires love and mercy over justice. Now look what, what he does in verse 21. It says, then the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve, his wife. The man now has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. And he's talking about living forever in this state of sin now. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove out the man, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden a cherubim and flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. And here's what I want you to notice. Verse 21. The Lord made garments from what? What is that? Skin. Here's what he wanted Adam and Eve to see from the beginning. The consequences of anyone who rebels is death. But God loved people so much, the very animals that Adam named, one of them had to die. We Guys, we've got to make this personal because from the beginning, there, you had a great observation. I forget if it was someone over here, but they were eating plants and berries and things like that. The animals were to be named. There was no sense of kind of that, that <laughs> competition to eat them, per se, at least, that we know of, Right? But God, because human beings are made in his image, not wanting them to pay for their sin, blood for blood. Now, what animals would do is they would not satisfy, though, the payment for our rebellion. That's why Jesus had to come. And the Bible talks about that. But notice from the beginning that an animal that they knew, an animal that they named, they had to watch it die. Any of us that have animals that we love, it's like a family member, isn't it? I know for my dog, even though we call her dumb, dumb, and poo-poo head, we love her. We do, right? And it gets me sad just even thinking if she goes down or, I know some of you are offended by I call our dog that, but she knows she's loved. She's good, all right? Don't worry. We have counseling for her. So, but does that make sense as far as like how close any of you that worked a farm when people are like, oh, you can slaughter a pig and all that. You haven't worked on a farm. You actually get to know those animals. It's actually a difficult, traumatic thing when you're a farmer. It makes it difficult. And they had to see the, the consequence of their sin as that animal died. And God made from those animals then clothing for them. There's a consequence. 
But notice the intimacy of that as far as his love for them. I'm not going to leave you alone. Those figs, the way you cover yourself, I'm going to cover you even better. And what we see from the beginning and what the reason Adam and Eve, this story is important is because what God wants to differentiate is in world religions, the gods are always mad at you. The gods are always judging. They're always disappointing. You're always messing up. And what's unique about the Judeo-Christian God is he is a God of love, of intimacy, of connection, of healing, and he covers you in a way that you can't cover yourself. And where he doesn't want you to pay the consequences of your sin, that's why it goes to the cross. The animals couldn't do it. They had to be the son of God. That's what makes the cross so important, is that his blood now is the payment for our sin. This is why Micah 7 says this, who is a God like you who pardons sins, forgives the transgressions of the remnants of his inheritance? It's his people. You do not stay angry forever. Some of us still think God is constantly angry with us. But it says, no, 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 no. He delights to show mercy to you. But he can only show mercy to you if you take responsibility. Say, I'm not following you. I'm not listening to you. I'm going with my own ways. And we just turn and say, my life's in your hands. I trust you now. I'm no more rebellion, no more half lies. I trust you. And it says that he delights to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. God always provides grace that gives hope amidst the consequences. Maybe you're experiencing consequences. You're in a difficult relationship. You've had financial consequences. You've had moral consequences. I want you to know all those can be overcome through Christ. It's not the end of the story. That's what Genesis shows. The story goes on. But to turn from your ways, that's when you receive mercy. That's when you receive relationship. That's when you receive healing. We're going to enter into our time of worship. And during that worship, that's why communion is so important to us. It reminds us that though we're responsible for our sin, we're fully forgiven by God, and he actually takes the brunt of the consequences and that it's his mercy that gives us hope. It's his mercy that gives us healing. And so that's where during worship, I encourage you, you can take communion. I encourage you, you can do it by yourself, maybe in some solitude. Maybe you want to do it with friends or family and pray together. But to celebrate the love of God, to remember that he's a God of mercy, Genesis 1 and 2, you are unique, you are loved, but we're fallen and rebellious. And we got to be honest with that, every single one of us. But it doesn't mean that we can't be intimate and honest with each other because that's where real healing comes from. So Jesus, we come before you now. And God, I thank you that you wrote down this story so we can know from the beginning that we are different than all of the creation. And that we have this natural inclination now in our DNA just not to listen to you. <laughs> We have this natural inclination to be drawn away from you. We have this natural inclination to get bored with you. We have this natural inclination to kind of want to be with you, but have also one foot in the world. And God, I pray that we could just see that sin and rebellion, though it has that aspect of looking good, the consequences are so bad. God, I pray we'd stay humble and say no to evil, say no to the lies, say yes to you, that we can walk with hope. We can walk with healing. We thank you for your mercy and grace that all our sins, once we come to you, they're forgiven. That when you look at us, you see the record of Jesus, not our own record. And that you desire to be intimate with us. You desire to clothe us. You desire to take care of us. 
hands. We just need to stop hiding behind the bush and get out and allow you to heal us and to help us and to strengthen us. So we worship you now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com. 